Hello, hello. Welcome back, my friend, to Leading Women in Tech. I hope you are doing splendidly today. I am diving straight on in to an interview with one of my new biz besties, who's also a leadership coach, although she focuses on leadership coaching and people strategy for small businesses, so a little bit different from me, but I, we speak the same leadership love language, and I met this lady just, I don't know, like six weeks ago, something like that, um, and I just cannot get enough of her and everything she talks about. So the amazing Lindsay White is the owner of High Voltage Leadership, a leadership coaching and people strategy business for small businesses. And she believes that no every business, no matter how small they are, deserve three things. Great leadership, an impactful people strategy, and a culture that inspires. She is passionate about guiding female entrepreneurs in creating the work and life blend that they long for. And a leadership brand that is authentic and grounded in their own values and purpose. And I think this is just such a powerful mission because I think every business, however small it is, needs to use great leadership to really leverage the power of that business. So I am so excited to bring her on. But one of the reasons I wanted to bring Lindsay on, other than we speak the same leadership love language, is her extensive background working as a HR lead, um, hiring people, providing talent management. And I want to dive into some of her wisdom here, partly as a hiring manager. So you can learn a little bit from the other side of the fence on that. She knows how to build amazing teams. I mean, this woman connects people. She builds with purpose. She builds programs and processes uh, that add value. And I want you to hear what it's like for the person that might be hiring you, or at least the recruiter or HR lead hiring you. So you can see how to up-level your game a little bit on your way up the corporate ladder. Without further ado, let's welcome Lindsay to the show. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us on Leading Women in Tech. Yeah, I'm super happy to be here. Delighted to have you here. Like, Lindsay has become one of my new entrepreneurial BFFs. Like, <laughs> that's such a cliche thing to say, but <laughs> I feel like I found, I found a fellow coach who just speaks my language. So I'm so excited to bring her wisdom to the show. Um, but Lindsay, can you start? Obviously, I've just introduced you, but I would love to get your full story. Like how, like what's your career been so far and how did you get to where you are today doing what you do today? Yeah, um, I, I, thank you for asking. So I um, I spent 10 years uh, earlier in my career working at a major Canadian retailer in first in store design and construction, then in operations. And I knew that that wasn't exactly right for me. Uh, and I had, I worked for a VP at the time who was very generous and said, hey, kid, you know, you do some of our local marketing, you do some HR type activities, take a course in each of those things and let me know what you want to do. So I took the HR course first, just a basic sort of HR 101. I got like 95%. And I was like, <laughs> this is the shit. This is what I am meant to do, right? 
So I continued working on uh, a certification. And at the time, the organization I worked for just didn't have a spot for me. Uh, as someone who was new and green and still learning, they were rebuilding the HR team. It wasn't just wasn't the right place for me. So I was really lucky. I had some connections in my network working at um, what is a financial institution based here in Alberta, in Canada, where I am. And it's called ATB Financial. Um, and, uh, you know, so I had, uh, I had the opportunity to interview and begin my career in HR with ATB, working specifically in recruitment. And it was something that really felt, I, I just had such a great connection to the role. I developed the skill, you know, really uh, organically. I mean, I did, you know, I, I took the appropriate technical courses, but, you know, just talking and connecting to people, asking great questions to understand and, and just, it brought out my natural curiosity. And so I spent a couple of years very early in my HR career working in that recruitment capacity. And I slowly increased my area until I was recruiting for, for, you know, about half of the province. Uh, which is the fair sized territory. If you're familiar with, with Canada and Alberta, I mean, we're the second largest country in the world. So we cover some pretty vast areas. And at that point, I knew I wanted to expand my skill set. I mean, recruitment is um, an important function for any organization, big or small, but there's so much to learn in HR and talent management. And I knew I wanted to broaden my scope. Um, and so I started to do that. I, I worked, I spent some time in learning and development. Uh, I spent some time working in, um, you know, some of the more specific pieces and as an advisor. But what I really found that I loved the most was working as a, you know, a strategic partner, essentially working with senior leaders and C-suite executives, really helping them plan um, and coordinate their talent strategy. So they would, you know, the, the executives go away on their big fancy retreats for five days. They come back with a five-year business plan. Well, what are you going to do with the damn thing, right? Like at that point, you actually have to make that thing real. And that's what I would do is work with those um, senior executives to really help build out what exactly were they going to do? What kind of team did they need to create? How are they going to bring in the cultural pieces? How are we going to line that up with programming that was sort of coming from the mothership, like the larger part of the organization? Um, and, and then really digging in and understanding, you know, what did our talent pool look like? Was there places we needed to grow people? Did we need to go out and buy some talent and skill? Um, you know, having conversations around compensation strategy, recruitment strategy, reward and recognition, engagement. Um, so part of my role was to run, you know, the large engagement surveys for our, part of our organization and do compensation reviews. And of course, you know, talent reviews on a regular basis. Um, and, and really help that executive as a leader step into that strategic piece um, and, and really create uh, a plan that would accomplish the organization's larger goals. And then, of course, trying uh, to work with individuals in the business one-on-one -on -one to support them and what were their needs and issues and uh, complications for them. So, yeah, so I did that for about 10 years. Um, and then four years ago, I ended up working for a really toxic leader. Imagine that. Um, and even in HR, it happens. And I decided one day in the middle of one more conversation that could have been an email that I was pretty much finished with her shit. And I quit. I, I, I said in the middle of the conversation, 
I don't fit here anymore. This isn't for me. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm just not going to put up with it any longer. And uh, I closed my computer. And that was the last time I spoke with her. I uh, negotiated my own severance from the business. <laughs> because when you're in HR, you know how to do that. Um, I had already committed uh, to a coaching program because I knew uh, coaching was a big part of what I did anyways. And I knew I wanted to grow that skill set. So I went from working in the corporate world in um, August to becoming a full-time student again in September. And I spent the next probably 14, 16 months just really immersing myself and learning how to be the very best coach that I could be. Um, and it was not only a time of, you know, real learning, but it was a time of unwinding, right? Mm. I left, I left my corporate environment exhausted, um, overwhelmed, anxious. You know, I was taking medication. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I was, you know, barely exercising. Um, I had been chained to my desk. I, w- I worked remotely, which was supposed to give me flexibility, but I ended up, you know, chained to my desk for 10 or 12 hours a day and working on weekends and, yeah, I was really unwell. Um, and so I spent the next, you know, sort of 14 months kind of unwinding that and, and, and really on a journey of, of incredible, you know, rediscovery for myself. Like, what did I really want? So, yeah. So now I get to coach leaders, particularly I focus on female entrepreneurs and small business owners. And I also bring that, you know, talent strategy, uh, to their businesses so that they can build really beautiful, inspiring cultures. And a people strategy that really will drive their business plan, right? Connect mm. their people to the strategy. Um, so, so that's what I love to do now. Oh, I just, I, I've not heard all of that story before. Um, it's, it's a heartbreaking, but very common story, but it's also really inspiring. And I mean, we're here to dig into what the listeners can do in terms of their personal career progression and resumes and interview technique. We're going to get to that in a moment, but there are a couple of things I just wanted to prick your brain on having just heard that story. The first one I've written down, uh, you know, what executives need to do in terms of their talent strategy, I think is a big one because I work with a lot of executives. I know a lot of executives listen to this, but before we do that, Tell me, what did it take to have the confidence to quit? I have worked with so many women who are burning out on the verge of burnout, who feel trapped. What did it take for you to actually have that confidence to be like, no, no, enough is enough. I'm done. You know, that is such a profound question. And I, I don't know if I've ever stopped to think about it before. I just, I think, you know, there were so many layers of shame and lack of confidence. Uh, you mm. know, one of the things we're going to talk about is that inner critic or saboteur voice that I wasn't good enough. And I think there was finally like this tiny little fire in my belly that was like, this is ridiculous. This, yeah. this, the, this, this is like the living end. And it, it really was a moment of inspiration, a moment of reconnection for me, right back to who I was and and the truth is that was that was my intuition calling i'm a coach so i do believe that we all have an inner leader or a sage that we follow and i think that my inner leader had just had enough from this particular individual And, and the fact that we were actually she was giving me shit about something that was so incredibly ridiculous yeah that i think was the thing where i was like this is bonkers right and 
it was like somebody lit this little fire and I, I was just inspired to say, I've had enough. I'm done. Yeah. I'm out. Right. Mm. And, and there was no going back for me at that point. Right. I had others in the business try and say, well, you know, maybe you could just move. And I was like, you know what? Um, I don't think this is right for me anymore. And I didn't know what was next. Like, it wasn't like I had planned at that point to start my own coaching and consulting practice. I literally had no idea what was coming down the road. I knew I could do my coaching certification. That I knew for certain. So you know what? If if you are listening and you are thinking, this is not right for me, but I don't know what's next. Like, you know what? Bet on yourself. That would be my advice. Bet on yourself. You will figure it out. Yeah, you yeah. figure it out, but you have to get away from whatever mess that is that's causing so much toxicity and stress in your life first before you can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I totally, I totally resonate with this one because I mean, obviously you and I do what we do. We meet a lot of women who are struggling with that. They're in such a toxic place. Mm-hmm. They need to quit or they have quit. And actually it's far more common than I think people realize Um, which breaks my heart that so many people are going through this, but equally, like if you're feeling this way, you're not alone. (laughs) Um, but having that, that confidence to quit in that moment, even though you don't have a plan, I'm a planner. Like the idea of quitting without a plan is horrifically terrifying. (laughs) I've done it once. And like you, it was when I started my business, I kind of had a vague idea. I knew I had to get out. And my husband actually said, is it time to give that a go? (laughs) And I did not have a plan. I quit my job without a proper plan quit my job hired a coach bought a new car all within the 24 hours that was a little bit terrifying <laughs> you really went for it <laughs> the car died that was a problem really bad timing the previous car died um yeah and but I didn't have a plan and I've seen this so many times I think sometimes such huge growth comes out of that and obviously you and I were exposed to people who are doing that and so we see it quite a lot and therefore like it can feel very lonely when you're in that moment but it is actually, it is, it can be such an amazing opportunity too, because you have to grow so freaking fast. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. The, so the other thing I wanted to just dig into before we dig into resumes, this is going to turn into a long episode of the throat, but you have so many nuggets of wisdom to share. Um, obviously you worked on talent strategies, uh, with executives, you worked on like compensation, rewards, recognition, recruitment, that whole thing, that whole talent strategy. Yes. Um, and I, you know, I work with, I work with VPs of people and talent, but I also work a lot with VPs of engineering, CTOs, and some of these companies are startups and they've never really understood. They might have a person in charge of people, but they aren't really they don't even that person doesn't really understand the strategy piece yeah. how can a non-hr person enable a good talent strategy what do they what do they need to be showing up with and how can they work with their hr folks in order to make that happen better yeah if, if that's possible so let me be sure i understand you know perhaps this business has someone in hr but they're not at a strategic level they've got someone who, yeah okay but they've got someone who is sort of that's their mandate is sort of more the strategic people piece, but they don't, that's not their specialty is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time with, uh, with the startup world, there is somebody where they're not strategy people, whereas quite often the engineering side of things, 
they're at the stage that where they like are starting to be yeah. strategic. And I'm like, you need a talent strategy yeah. as well to go alongside yeah. your engineering strategy. And they're like, what? <laughs> it's the piece that smaller businesses miss. Um, they don't think that they can have one. They don't think that it's cost effective. Like they don't have the skill. So the first thing that I suggest to all of my clients is actually look at your business plan. What are you trying to accomplish? What does that look like? Right. And then really doing a bit of a SWOT analysis. What have you got in your business today from a people perspective? What are your strengths? What are your potential weaknesses or gaps, if you will? Um, what are the opportunities or what do you need to be an opportunity? Um, and then I don't look at it as threats as much as I, I look at it as a talent. Like what, what does that look like? So, so that's the simplest format I think you can use and really understand. Okay. We have a business plan. What do we need to get here? What are the, what, you know, if it's a five year plan, what does the one year and the three year look like? Right. So that you really understand and then. Looking at it from the SWAT perspective so that you know what you've got and what you don't have, right? That's, mm. that's actually really an important step because then you can decide in your one, three and five year plan. Do you have, first of all, the capacity to grow people? That's always the first place you want to look from a strategic perspective. Do you have talent that is ready to grow? So one of the tools I like to use is a nine box. And if you're not familiar with that, you can go and look at Google it. Um, there's all sorts of examples of it. So you plot your people in a nine box framework. Top right corner is your highest performers ready for their next opportunity. Bottom left corner is people that probably shouldn't be in your business anymore. They're not adding value. Everybody else gets plotted out in the middle. So then you can really understand who is ready and, and then you can create a strategy just for them to grow that talent. If, and then you can start to understand where can you grow? What do you need to go out, look for and purchase out in the marketplace? And then you can start to formulate a recruitment strategy, right? So it just starts to grow and branch out from there. But if you don't have awareness, first of all, what your strategy is calling for in the near and long term and what your talent looks like today, you will never be able to join the gap between the two. Does that, is that, it's pretty simplistic, it's a whole lot more complicated than that. <laughs> Sometimes we, I mean, sometimes the best strategies are the really simple ones, actually. And starting, it just stopping being in that reactive mode of, I need five more bodies on my team or somebody's left and I need to replace them. That is reactive mode. Moving from that to more of a proactive, longer term vision is really what a lot of the women I work with are struggling with. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, so I think that's perfect. And if you're listening to this and thinking, well, I don't own the business plan, that's the, that's the CEO or the chief business development officer, uh, you do own a bit of the business plan. You own the engineering business plan if you're in engineering. You own the bit that your team is responsible of for wh whatever whatever your job title, right? The business plan comes down the tree. Part of it is yours. So follow what Lindsay's just said and align it with the bit of responsibilities that yours. If you have a team reporting to you, I can guarantee you need to have a talent strategy. Yeah. So, I, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I think that's a really great way just to get, to get people started thinking this way. And yeah. I, I think a lot of what we all need to be doing more of as leaders is thinking more strategically. And this is yet another example of how we need to be doing it, which a lot of people aren't aware of. 
that we're in reactive mode on something like this yeah. until somebody points out to us what non-reactive mode looks like, which is what you just did. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and can I say, like, people think of the word strategy and they automatically, their brain goes to complicate it, right? Yes. We yeah. And I hear this a lot with the very small businesses that I work with. And some of them, you know, they've left the corporate world because they don't want to be involved in that level of bullshit. So they hear strategy <laughs> and they think complex, got to be complicated. Mm-hmm. It's got to be really, in- no, it doesn't. Yeah. It needs to be thinking at a different level and in the future tense, but it does not need to be complicated or cumbersome. And it is not written in stone. Absolutely. Need- yeah. You're right. You need to step out of reactive into proactive, into thoughtfulness, into intentionality. That's all that strategy is. So it's nothing mm-hmm. to be afraid of. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I think, you know, we need to step out of this assumption. It's complex. Don't get me wrong. They can be complex, especially yeah. if you've got many, many moving parts and you're the CEO of a, if you're a CEO of a multinational, yeah, your strategy is probably very, very complex. But <laughs> yeah. um, actually, I mean, the strategies for my business, I think my, my strategy is getting a bit more complicated now as so my business is growing. But my business strategy at the beginning was very, very simple. It was, you know, sign this number of one-on-one clients. That was it. Like, and you know what? That's build a business. So fabulous, right? <laughs> these are these are very, very simple things um, at the heart of them. And actually, even a complex strategy, you need to break it down into all those small, exactly. individual, tiny pieces. Exactly. Okay, we, we should move on yes. to the topic I really wanted to bring you on for. Yes. Although I feel like there's like a whole series of things that we need to be doing. But <laughs> this is really around bringing your experience as a recruiter yeah. to the table for my listeners. Like, and I really want to dig into common missteps, what what you saw in leaders or people leveling up in their leadership career, what you saw them, you know, getting wrong. So, I mean, I've got written down in my notes, I want to cover resumes, I want to cover interview techniques, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like, have you, like, th- let's start with some like nuggets of wisdom. What are your top nuggets of wisdom that you felt like you wish every single leader you ever interviewed had known and, and you were upset that they didn't? Yeah. So, um, the first thing that pops into my head that every leader should know, and so many don't, is that if you are really a great leader, it is not about you. It is absolutely not about you. And if you think that it is, you need to go and re-examine your leadership and you need coaching immediately. And I'm being really, I'm being like super, I'm being a little sarcastic about it, but so many leaders that I've encountered really take everything personally. Um, they really make it about themselves. They make it, you know, whether it's a power trip or that their team is out to get them or, you know, they, you know, they're a victim. I mean, there's different ways it happens, but like realistically, if you are doing a great job as a leader, you recognize intimately that it's actually not about you. It, it's about enabling other people. It's about creating other leaders, right? It, it is an act of love and generosity and vulnerability. And that that's not a bad thing, right? Command and control is gone. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not about being the boss, right? Those are, those are the people who are going the way of the dodo bird. Like that is yeah. the truth. Right. I, I, I love that that definition. I mean, I think many of the listeners will if they've been around here for more than one episode, 
will know that I am definitely not here to do that command and control. Mm. But I think there is that um, that element of like, when you're saying it's not about you, there's an element of when we're feeling attacked yeah. or threatened or we're in that toxic environment. Yeah. And and as you said, uh, when, when you say at the top, you know, it's not about you, people are like, oh yeah, it's not about me. I'm in a toxic environment. It's clearly not about me. <laughs> but I thought that... <laughs> Your your point there about um, taking, I can't remember the exact words you said, but like basically taking things to heart and all that kind of thing. I think that is really worth reflecting on for a few minutes because I this I see is something so crippling to so many women, especially in the tech industry where we've had a lot of crap thrown at us during our entire careers. And we're kind of at breaking point a lot of the time. And on some level, it is about us because we are not coping. Yeah. But it's partly about us also because we're not coping and therefore everything is amplified. Yeah. Uh, and it feels things that actually other, other times we just allowed a brush off and it wouldn't have anything to do with us. It's just like a stupid statement somebody made becomes all about it. So can you tell us, are there some tools and techniques that you could share that well, we can tackle that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And and Tony makes such a great point, right? Um, We do. We become so oversensitive when we are in these really awful environments. And the temptation, again, is to become a bit of a victim. Um, And that's the, you know, those are the two extremes. It's not about you or you're a total victim. And I, I think the most important thing that I talk to my clients about is really finding your inner leader. Who is that incredible, all-knowing, super generous, loving voice that is in your heart, right? So you could call it your intuition. You could call it your captain. You can call it your sage. It's really tapping into that inner strength, that inner wisdom, that inner knowing, right? And, And really relying on that to see what's happening in your world from a different perspective, right? And I I mean, I'm talking about this like it's just that simple and it absolutely is not. That's why there's coaches like you and I because people need help through all the noise and all the crap to get Mm. to that place. But it's there, ladies, right? It is there no matter how abused and downtrodden and anxious and afraid you are. That voice is on the inside. It's in there somewhere. You got to get really quiet and really still to find it, but it's right there. And that is your biggest tool. They're your biggest ally and they always know the right move. So you got to get to that. And if you're having problems hearing that, you need to get someone to help you because it is hard to read the label from the inside of the bottle, right? Yes. Um, that's when you need, you need to find yourself a coach to connect with. But that's what it, because that voice is going to help you see and understand what belongs to you and what just doesn't. And when you can come to a place where you know that that garbage doesn't belong to you, your perspective is going to shift and you're going to be able to leave that crap behind at the end of the day, or at least be more effective at doing that. I think the other little nugget that uh, just listening to you speak here, like really kind of came to the forefront with me. I've been very privileged in my life to meet some incredible leaders, mm. right? You, that's the benefit of doing what you and I do is we get to meet these most extraordinary women. Um, and I've met a couple who actually their mission in life is turning around toxic organizations. Yeah. 
and not as CEOs, but they will go in to a toxic environment and they have developed the tools and techniques to let this wash off them. Um, one of the phrases I love to use, I stole this one from my coach, is be like Teflon. <laughs> allow it to just all bead off us, right? Um, and these women, because they are able to do that. And by the way, this is something I've never figured out. So like, this is not something that you can just flick a switch and it's done. But they have enabled themselves to be in this place such that they've actually done what was needed for the organization to turn around that toxicity. Yeah. And that is a beautiful thing if you are ever in that space. Yeah. And so it, there, it, that really embracing it's not about you is just so powerful in so many ways. But to like focus on the recruitment and interview yeah. side, tell me when we've got this, it's about me attitude, how did you see that showing up in people you were interviewing? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's really easy to pick out um, particularly, I mean, I love to use behavioral descriptive interviewing so I can really hear people describe what they've done in their past engagements. And it's pretty easy to pick up those people that are, it's all about me. I'm the big boss. I'm in charge versus I worked as part of the team. Here's the piece that I was really happy that I did. There's a humbleness to that, right? There, there is an approachability to that. And there's a real championing of other people. So when I hear someone who I know is really bringing themselves, and I think there's no way that you did all that by yourself. Like I've been around, you know, I've been in business for 25 years. It always takes a team, right? We don't do anything without team now. So I, I can pick that out pretty easily. And when they're not willing to celebrate that they were part of a team and what they accomplished together, even as they pull out, well, here's what I contributed, because of course, that's always what I'm looking for in an interview, right? When they're not talking about I led or I enabled, I mean, there's very specific language that great leaders will use, right? When they're in an interview space, right? Where it's so... Those are things that you have to have a little bit of a keen ear for. But if you're really listening, if you're really listening, you can hear a leader who works through their people and is, a, you know, is removing roadblocks and enabling growth and literally growing other people's leadership versus I'm the boss. I give direction. People follow my orders or else. Yeah. It's, it's interesting you say that because obviously, the women I work with, actually, the biggest issue I have coaching women through interview technique is actually saying anything at all, right? They, <laughs> they won't, I have to say, like, no, you can own that. You've just yeah. told me something extraordinary. Why the heck aren't you owning that? Exactly. It's something that you've achieved. Yes, with the team, but you've achieved it. And I think that the, the, the women I, a lot of the women that come and work with me, I think because of the experience they've had in their careers, they've gone to the other extreme, which is, They've still got that. It's all about me. And the way it manifests is they don't own anything. Yeah. Right. And, and so in that situation, how could they be watching out for that's how that they're showing up That's and, and take action to modify that in themselves? Yeah. And I, you know what? I think that that's a great point. I see that quite a bit um, in individuals that, uh, you know, they really have to practice stepping into and again i think having the outside perspective is really valuable someone who is able to say to you hey that's actually extraordinary what you did let's 
let's talk about how you can bring that, whether it's to your resume, to some networking that you're doing, or right into an interview process, right? So that you can really be confident in bringing mm-hmm. that forward and talking about my team accomplished this. Here's the places where I really had an impact, right? Um, and I think that that is absolutely key. So many of us, we undersell our awesomeness. That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. I know. Oh, it's just so true. I And it drives me nuts because the women, I mean, obviously I'm exposed to a very uh, specialized group of women, oh. women in tech. We have a very, we have a, a fairly unique experience of the world <laughs> as women in tech, even though we're a big community these days. But it, it just, every time I see these women doing this themselves, and I know that this is what I did to myself too, and we're just like, we're not shining. Yes. Either personally, either internally or externally. Right. And I always, I always say like, the world desperately needs you and your skills and your talents. Yeah. And if they can't see that sparkle inside you, yeah. then the world's missing out. Yeah, like, The world deserves to have your talents, but for them to take advantage of that and to benefit from it, they need to know about it. Yeah, You're actually doing a disservice to the human race by not sharing how great you are. It, it, it is the truth. So the phrase I like to use is, how are you going to get anybody to follow you if you don't already believe in yourself? Right? Yeah. How, how are you going to get others to, to believe in and follow you if you don't already believe in yourself? So it goes back to my comment earlier. You really need to go inside. Find that inner leader. Find that strength and wisdom. She is in there. She is desperate to help you. You need to let her, right? Get out of your own way, as they say. 100%. Well, so let's get some more nuggets of wisdom from you. What specific skills or behaviors do you see women needing to cultivate in order to show up for their job hunt more effectively as leaders? Yeah. So I I think an undervalued skill is networking, right? I think that, you know, despite we that we live in a global environment, you know, particularly in the space of tech, which is the women you work with, but even in, you know, a more, you know, a more generalized female entrepreneur and small business owner that I work with, it's a small world. There are communities that we travel in. And I think the skill of networking is something that we've kind of lost a little bit, particularly over the last 18 months, right? Because we've been isolated. So really, um, and it's something that you need to call on your courage for and a little bit of vulnerability. So many people feel like networking is icky, right? But there is, the, the trick is to have the right focus, right? So you're not asking people for a job. The truth is that's not their responsibility to find you a job. What you're asking for is a little bit of their time. And I suggest that you ask for 15 minutes, but plan for 30. You ask for information and you share, right? So here's an example. We go on Facebook and we ask in our neighborhood Facebook group, hey, does anybody know a great mechanic, right? That's networking. I'm asking a network of people that live in my general area for help and information. It's the same principle only applied to your job search. Okay. But I really do believe, and and I would tell you that the statistics prove it, 
that a lot of the jobs and the interviews and the connections that we make are born out of our network. And I'm not just talking about your professional network. I'm talking about your personal network too. I mean, you'd be surprised at, you know, who the other, one of the other moms on the soccer team or someone that you play on a co-ed volleyball team with, or one of the ladies in your book group might have a connection and an opportunity that you didn't even dream of, but you don't even talk to them about, yeah, you know, I'm actually looking for my next great role right now. Here's, you know, this is, um, and, and just engaging in that lovely conversation. What are you yeah. hearing? What are you experiencing in the marketplace? Who do you know? What are you, right? Like, it's just a matter of asking a few great questions. That is such a great nugget of wisdom. I think we need to all be more open to networking beyond our immediate, like, people, I suppose. Um, this one's really come home to me. Like, throughout my business, I've, you know, networked with women in tech because they're my people. Yeah. Um, and recently, I've been deliberately getting uncomfortable networking more with other entrepreneurs. I, I have this amazing group of peers. I'm in a mastermind with myself. My coach runs it. And it's amazing. And that really opened my eyes to what I can, what I'm getting being around women doing what I'm doing. So I've been networking more with entrepreneurs and that's opened my eyes up to the fact that the tech industry is everywhere. Every woman I speak to, every man I speak to, I just speak to less men, (laughs) but every woman I speak to knows somebody who works in tech because the tech industry is everywhere now. If you're not having conversations with your friends and fellow mothers and all the things your uncle fred you know you don't you don't know all their friends all their network that's the whole point of networking right they may well be really well connected to the next boss in your career but unless you have that conversation they're not gonna be like oh you know what Lindsay is after her next vp position in a tech job you know what Lindsay? i have this great friend i'm going to introduce you to they work at NVIDIA, you know, if we don't have the conversations, we don't know. And yeah, just love that. Love it so much. Yeah. And I think as women, we, we don't put ourselves out there in the same way. And the truth is we're actually great connectors, right? Women Mm -hmm. and, and I'm overgeneralizing, but women in general, we are really great connectors. So we just need to rely on our skill of connection, right? And just start a conversation. That's all it is. Oh, love that. Oh, so we are coming to the end of the episode and I always like to have a mindset moment at the end of every episode. So in case you're new around here, Allegiant Mindset Moment is a simple tip to help you adjust how you act or think on the topic of today's podcast. So Lindsay, I would love it if you could share one highly actual mindset shift that listeners can make in order to really up level their ability to land their next role? What is it that you think we all need to be doing more of or less of or just shift in some way? Yeah. So I think the most important shift when it comes to that next level in your career, whatever that looks like, is shifting from um, this, you know, this space where um, I'm bragging about myself, right? I, I can't overstate what I do what, what, not only my skills and experience, but the value that I can bring, the results that I've achieved in the past. I think that so many of us get stuck in a space where we feel like that is bragging when we talk about those things that we're good at. And the shift that I want you to consider making is that you need to confidently be able to stand in your own greatness in that space where you do add incredible value. 
And you can generate amazing results because look at what you've already done, right? And and sometimes that is, again, uh, you know, easier said than done. I would suggest to you that if you need support, there are lots of great coaches that can support you in doing that. Talking to two of them right now. <laughs> but even just it like in its simplest form, just standing in front of the mirror mm. and being able to talk about, my name's Lindsay White, and I am an incredible connector who creates conversations and really ignites people's imaginations with her high voltage presence. Like just simple statements like that. Being able to look yourself in the eye in the mirror and say that out loud and not feel like icky is actually key to moving forward in your career wherever you're wherever you're at, right? Um, so that would be, you know, sort of my little mindset uh, shift that I think everyone could probably use a little work on. 100%. Like, I, I think that whole thing of just practice, it's uncomfortable initially, keep going, practice, yeah. gets a little less com- uncomfortable. So many people I know won't, I say to them, you need to practice your interview answers out loud, or you need to practice your pitch out loud. They're like, no, 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 no. And then, and then they, they come back to me after they've had a conversation or an interview or something. I'm like, so how did it go? And they, and I said, did you practice out loud? And like, no. And I'm like, there is a very significant difference. It's a bit like if you've ever been told by somebody that you should get used to looking yourself in the mirror. A lot of us have Zoom fatigue, right? And it's one of the things that people talk about is looking at ourselves all day. You know what? I got over that way before COVID because I had Zoom on for like a couple of years before COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. I'm totally unfussed by looking at myself now. Um, whereas I know people now who they've spent the last year avoiding it and it's so stressful. They're making it to such a big thing. It's the same thing with the way we speak about ourselves. It's going to be uncomfortable until it's suddenly normal. Oh, you, you'll love this one. Listening to our own voices on the podcast. Same thing. <laughs> I, I have that too. I like really, but you're right. You just, the truth is you, you just, you have to do it until it becomes comfortable. Yeah. So whether you practice in the mirror, practice on your kids. Mm. They love you unconditionally. They don't care if you sound like a goofball. Practice with your partner or with your best friend, like someone who you are intimately comfortable with until it becomes something that you believe in saying. And I am, and I'm saying this with experience, right? Because I remember when I first started coaching and I talked about that I'm a leadership coach and people strategist and I didn't have a single client. And I thought, oh my God, I'm, I'm totally full of shit, right? But you know what? Here I am today. And I still say the same words or at least close to. So, so it, it Tony, you're right. It, you've got to practice it. You have got to believe it. How are you going to get anybody else to believe in you if you don't believe in yourself? That is the truth. That is the truth. Oh, such powerful words of wisdom. I just, oh, just love this. We could talk forever, but I want to make sure that people, yeah, <laughs> yeah we, <laughs> we're going to have so much fun. I just know this at some point, we're going to have so much fun and hopefully share that with the audience. But for right now, how can people find out more about you, connect with you and find out what you do? Yeah, I, I am a connector. So I, I love uh, to connect with new people. My website is highvoltageleadership.ca. I'm on Instagram uh, at highvoltleadership. I'm on Facebook. And I also spend a lot of time hanging out on LinkedIn, where probably a lot of this audience is. I'm, I'm Lindsay White uh, on LinkedIn. So you can find my profile there and connect with me. 
I, I would love it if you would follow me, reach out. I love to have a chat with people. Um, and uh, I know that this is a, a real interesting audience. So I'd love to connect with with all of you. Perfect. I will make sure that all those links are in the show notes. So go and connect with Lindsay. I, I swear she's an absolute blast. If you like listening to the show, Lindsay is like your kind of lady, like hands down. <laughs> I met her at like literally like, I don't know, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. And I feel like we can't get enough of each other. Um, totally. That's slightly creepy, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, I'm totally here for that. Um, have you any final thought or words of wisdom you would like to share with the audience today? Yeah, I think the most important thing that you can do is spend the time uh, and the emotional energy to really uncover and tap into your own awesomeness. It, it is in there. And even if you have been working for a leader like I did that was incredibly toxic, that tried to convince you you had no value, whether you work in an environment where you feel disregarded and disrespected, you really owe it to yourself uh, to spend that time and get really quiet and find that you know inner leader um, and listen to her because she knows exactly what the right thing is for you and she always holds you really tenderly and with a lot of grace. Uh, so so do do that. Don't don't cheap out on yourself here. Oh, that's just so. I want to say beautiful. I kind of feel like it doesn't do it enough. Like it's more firm than beautiful, but <laughs> um, intensely beautiful. I don't know. It's wonderful as what it is. Um, thank you so much for sharing your words of wisdom with the audience today. I've had so much fun. I hope everybody else has enjoyed this as much as I have. Um, and I can't wait to have you back on the show at some point in the future. Yeah, me too. This has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, I just love that. I mean, I say that after every interview, but just cannot get enough of this lady. Um, I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. I would love to know what you're thinking. Send me a message over on LinkedIn, Facebook, or any of the platforms I'm on. I would love to hear how you are going to use some of the words of wisdom you've heard today to up-level your career. Or if you're stuck, reach out to me too. Until next time, remember, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.